Uh, and I want you to go to Mark chapter 5. But as you get to Mark 5, I want to mention, uh, if you're taking notes, I know many of you take notes, a couple things you can write down to read later. I don't want to take the time this morning to read all of these verses because there's many. But a couple of really great key verses for trusting God, if you'll write them down and read them later, is Psalms 77. Pretty much the whole chapter, but especially the first nine verses. Uh, read those later. And then also Psalms 34. Psalm 34 might be the best chapter in all of the, all of the book of Psalms for sure, and maybe the Bible about trust, although Proverbs 3 is a great one too. And in th Pro Psalms 34, it says in, around verse 8 that whoever trusts God is blessed. He who trusts the Lord is blessed. So blessings and trust go hand in hand. You can't have one without the other. They walk together like, like a left and a right hand, left and a right foot. They just go together. Trust and blessings. And when you trust God, God brings blessings. And while you're blessing, being blessed, you're trusting. And it's just an ongoing thing. But you don't always see at every moment uh, everything that God is doing and you see the end result. And, and so this morning we can say, we know that God wants us to have another building that's bigger, that can do more, that can reach more people. And that sounds good and it's exciting and, 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 and that's awesome. And we clap and we shout. But then when we leave here, the reality is we have to literally find a real building and we have to literally work out the details and we have to literally walk through the steps of faith. And I was telling the guys Friday morning in discipleship that uh, I've never yet, and maybe this will be the first time, I'll be okay with it, but I've never yet made a move in any sense, whether it was personal in the ministry or as the church or as a missionary or anything. I've never made a move where it didn't take some faith and it didn't take some work and it didn't take some stress and it didn't take some trust. Yes. And I, I would love to see God and I'm cool with it. I'm, I'm, I'll, I'll take it, God. I don't want, I don't want the work. Love to see someone just call us and say, hey, your building's ready. And it's free. Just come take it. Here's the keys. That can happen. And I'm good with it. I'm ready for that kind of testimony. But I'm just preparing us for the worst. Amen. That if, if that doesn't happen, we're probably going to have to do some work. And I feel like at this point, in this moment in our history of almost nine years of a church now, I feel like this is the most solid, unified group of people we've ever had, hard workers, loyal people, committed people, people who love the Lord, and I feel like this is God's time and God's moment, amen, for this to happen. So I believe that you're part of that, but I need you to trust God with me, amen. This is not my first rodeo on this, thank God. We've done this before. Um, we were looking around the other day. It was uh, me and Dwayne and, and Frankie we were looking at a at a building over here off by the freeway, and we were looking in the window and stuff, and I was telling them it looked a lot like uh, the building we moved into, the second building we moved to, into in Costa Rica, where it was just totally open and just totally nothing but walls. And, and, and that's exciting because you can go in and you can just do whatever you want. So you can put everything where you want it. You know, we've had to makeshift here. It's been a great building. I want to thank God for this building. I love this building. Um, I have, I'm attached to this building, uh, I, I'm, I'm comfortable in this building, and I could say some other words, and that's probably why God is saying exactly, that's why you're moving. <laughs> Amen. Once you get to the place where you get comfortable, God needs to come kick you. Move, move, keep moving. Keep moving. Amen. I love this location, but I believe God's got a better location. Amen. 
So let's just be praying. I want to, I want to um, read Mark. Well, one more verse I want to say is many, verse Psalm, uh, Psalm 34, 19, that same chapter says, Many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivers them out of them all. Now, sometimes afflictions are not always like bad in the sense when we hear afflictions, we think of it being a bad thing, like, like just misery. Sometimes afflictions are these kind of things, moves, steps of faith, uh, growing pains, um, situations where, how many understand what I'm saying? It doesn't have to be a bad thing. It's just a situation where it's not comfortable and it's a little hard. It's a little difficult. And so the afflictions can be uh, making choices and, and, and trusting God and, and, and different things like that. But one of the things we have to understand is that God already has everything worked out. With this building, with your marriage, with your finances, with your life. He has it all already worked out. We just have to trust him. Right? We just have to trust him. Um, there was a kid and his father out in the woods. And uh, they were running around just having a good old time. And they found some, some rocks and some higher little, you know, uh, boulders and these areas where there were some cliffs. And so they're just having a fun time just running around. And all of a sudden, the guy doesn't see his son. which so kind of freaks out for a second. He's looking around frantically, and he's screaming his name, and he can't see him. And all of a sudden, he's in this area where there's just a bunch of high rocks, and I mean, he's just freaking out. He doesn't know what happened. And all of a sudden, he hears, Dad, catch me! And as he turns around, his son is jumping off a rock at him from high in the air. And he caught him. And he, like, literally knocked him down, and he's freaking out, and he's breathing heavy, and he's like, Son, why did you do that? Why did you just jump off that rock? And he says, simplest answer, he says, Dad, because I knew you'd catch me. That's the kind of faith and trust we have to have in God. Amen? Amen? That he will catch us. Sometimes God says jump. Just jump. And, and he wants us to just trust that when we jump, we're going to land in his arms. Amen. Amen. Now, he doesn't tell us to jump off a cliff, right? He doesn't tell us to do dumb things as far as, as suicidal things. But he does tell us to do things that can seem dumb. Trust me. And so what I need you to pray for me right now and going forward is that I can go back to my 20-year-old faith. Amen? Because when you get a little older, you get a little bit less. Not, not that I don't have it. I just got to use it, you know? So I need you to pray for me that I can have that 20-something faith where it didn't matter what God told me to do. I just did it. I just jumped like that son. Like, now, if I was going to jump, I mean, there'd be some different implications. You know, I'd be like, i got to really think this through, especially if my dad's trying to catch me. I mean, it's a little bit different, right? He's older, and I'm older, and we're all older. So you get what I'm saying, right? Thank God God doesn't get old. Amen. He doesn't change. So the question I want you to ask yourself is, do you trust God enough to walk with him? To walk with him. That's the question. Do you trust God enough to walk with him? I can say this morning, I, I don't, wherever God says, wherever God does, I'm, I've, 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 I've been with him long enough. I know he'll take me through. I trust him. I know he's got my hand. I know he's going to guide me. I know he's going to lead me. I know he's not going to drop me. Amen. And, and guys and girls, we got to have that faith of parents that, you know, they're going to take, take us by the hand and lead us. God's going to guide us and lead us in everything we do. But I want to use a great story this morning in Mark chapter 5 that's super exciting. In verse 21, we're going to start if we get there. And many of you know this story, but this is just a powerful, I think this is a moment we, that this is going to really help us. Because in our minds, we think 
when God, and I don't want this to just be about us moving, any situation you're going through. But as a church in our vision, this is something we're going to go through together as a family. Amen? Amen? Amen. Amen. All right. I like that. That helps my faith. Amen. But we're going we're gonna to trust God. And a lot of times we, we want in our flesh it to be easy. And we know God's going to answer. But once the waters begin to shake a little bit and the boat begins to move a little bit and we don't quite see things working out the way we want them to work out. Has anybody ever been in that situation where it starts to happen and you're like, yeah, this is good. And all of a sudden you're going the direction that's different than what you thought. And God's like, no, 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 it's not over there. It's over here. And you're like, okay. And then you got to go. Over here is usually dark. Over here is usually dangerous. Over here is usually testing your faith. Over here is usually uncomfortable. And so I want to show you in this story. Watch what happens. Verse 21. When Jesus had crossed over again by boat to the other side. Mark chapter 5, verse 21. A great multitude gathered to him, and he was by the sea. And behold, one of the rulers of the synagogue came, Jairus by name. And when he saw him, he fell at his feet and begged him earnestly, saying, My little daughter lies at the point of death. Come and lay your hands on her that she may be healed and she will live. Stop reading for a second. Right here we see a man named Jairus who is a high up authority figure who is very well known, very strong, very uh, powerful, very influential. And he has heard, like so many others, there's a man that heals. There's somebody who heals. And he says, I have got to find that man. He finds him and he goes to him and he expresses faith. He says, my daughter is sick. Now, we have somebody here who has all the means financially to take that daughter to the doctor. But how many know that there is a time and there is nothing wrong with doctors and there is nothing wrong with hospitals and there's nothing wrong when that's what God wants to do. But we know that we have a greater physician. Amen. But there comes a time also when someone gets to a place where the doctors say, I can't do anything. There's nothing left to do. Jairus was at that point. Jairus had already exhausted everything he could exhaust in his financial powers. And, and don't think he didn't know everybody. He knew everybody. Money was not an object. Favor was not an object. People were not an object. But he was desperate. You know, we just heard what an interesting thing to hear that testimony just this morning about the two-year-old boy. And you can put yourself there where you think, man, if you have a kid and they've ever been really, really sick, how desperate you get. How horrible that is to get that news that your child is sick. And this is really bad because it says here that she says, my daughter lies at the point of death. Meaning there's, it's, it's, it's at any moment. How many know when the doctors say there, there's nothing left to do and it's at any moment? It's at any moment. And so he is in a place of desperation and he goes to him and he says, but here's the thing I want you to see. He says to Jesus in verse 23, come and lay your hands on her that she may be healed and she will live. We always have to understand, we have to express faith. You, if you don't trust, you don't have faith. 
As I said, trust goes along with blessings. Faith and trust are hand in hand as well. You can't say, I, I have faith in you, God, but don't trust him. Because if you have faith, the Bible says faith is the evidence of things not seen. The substance of things hoped for, meaning you're, God's going to place something in your heart that you cannot see and that you have to believe for that you cannot see. But to believe it, you have to trust that he already has it. Think about this man. He's saying, I, I don't, he didn't just say, I mean, think of, we could rephrase this. He could say, uh, sir, I've heard you heal. They've told me that you're a healer. And my daughter's really sick. And I've got a lot of money and I can pay you whatever you need. And, and, and if you will come to my house, I would really appreciate it. And it would be awesome and wonderful if you could heal her. He didn't say that. He said, will you come to my house? Listen to this. He says, will you come and lay your hands on her that she may be healed and she will live? He's not saying a could. He's expressing faith that she will. And so he, he is, and I, and I can almost sense, like how many know that Sunday morning we were praying or anytime you've really prayed for something with, by faith and you've really believed and you said, I, I, I just feel, this is, it's not like we don't go by emotions, but you just feel God's doing something right now. Like you just feel faith coming out of you and you really don't doubt and you're like, I, I just believe, amen? But the problem is, is once you express that faith, then comes trust. I'm going to get that. Once you express faith, then comes trust. Because a lot of times, as we're going to see right here, the power to heal is there, but God's going to make us go through something. He's going to make us go through something. Now, let's keep reading here. Amen? Watch this. Where we leave off. 23, right? So, watch this. I want you to underline. This is so powerful. Jesus went with him and a great multitude followed him and thronged him and now we hear a story that many people know see a lot of people don't pay attention to this first story because they get caught up in this famous second story Jesus was being followed and it says verse 25 a certain woman had a flow of blood for 12 years how many of you ever heard that story it's one of the most famous healing stories in the Bible and had suffered many things from many physicians. She had spent all she had. Sounds familiar. She had spent all she had and was no better, but rather grew worse. And when she heard about Jesus. So just let me get you to understand something. Let me, let me help you this morning and help myself. God is concerned about everybody, not just you. Not just you. Everybody, not just you, because we tend to get in this place where, hey, God, come on, I need you. And sit, what I've found in my life is most of the time when God, when I have a need, God will present the need of somebody else and tell me, meet theirs. Oh, that was a good place to say, man, maybe you haven't got there yet. Well, if you get saved, if you stay saved long enough, you'll get there. Well, you'll be in a need, and God will present the need of somebody else. 
Because he wants to show, I love everybody. I want to heal everybody. She had a need too. She heard about him. And so it says, verse 27, she came behind him in the crowd and touched his garment. For she said, if I only may touch his clothes, I shall be made well. So she had faith. And look at this. Immediately, the fountain of her blood was dried up. And she felt in her body that she was healed of the affliction. Here's what's interesting. Jesus is on his way to heal Jairus' daughter. And so while we see this awesome miracle taking place, Jairus is in the background going back and forth, walking fumbling his fingers, sweating, worrying, maybe getting a little mad, maybe getting a little frustrated, maybe getting a little untrustworthy, untrusting, maybe getting a little doubt in his spirit and saying, uh, uh, you're supposed to be going to heal my daughter and she's really sick. And if you don't hurry, she's going to die. And you told me you'd go. You followed me. And here's this crowd stopping you. And see, this is what I've noticed in my life is when God is doing something for me, he puts something else in front of me to watch and know that behind that, he's going to take care of me. But I have to trust him in this right here. I have to trust him right here and believe that even though there's a whole lot of commotion going on right here, this has nothing to do with me. He's doing something for me. Because he said he would. See, as soon as Jesus followed Jairus, somebody's going to get this. Rabbi, I believe you can heal my daughter. Will you come and touch my daughter and heal her? As soon as he turned to follow, listen closely, she was already healed. She was already healed. As soon as he turned to follow him. So when God says he's going to do something, he's already done it. That's why I said this morning with faith, God already has a building for us. The building's there. I have no doubt in my mind there's a building in this city that has our name on it. The contract's already written. It already has our name on it. The price is already worked out. Every situation's done. But I don't know where it is. I don't know what the name of the person is. I don't know what the location is. But I do know that there's going to be some stuff that'll happen. And I'm not asking for it. I just know how God works. Something's going to come up. There's going to be some fights. There's going to be some battles. There's going to be some things. And i got to trust and know. I know he's because he's done it before, and he'll do it again. Do you realize that when we got into this building almost eight, over eight years ago, it wasn't even for rent when we found it? We got out of our lease after that one year, and we, my faith took, took a one-year lease so that we wouldn't stay there. And all of a sudden, we needed a building, and the lease was up. And when we found this building, at the moment we found it, it had no for lease sign on it. How did we find it? Because God had it. God had it like he had that colt sitting there waiting for the disciples to go get it to do the Lord's Supper. But it's easy to say that. But your question and my question is, do I really trust that? Do I really believe that he has something for me? And again, this goes to any situation you're going through this morning. So here we see this miracle happening. We see this well-respected man happening. And now he's in anguish because he's realizing that um, Jesus has stopped. 
And, and, and he's like, man, I, I need Jesus to help me because he goes over some of these stories. Think about this. This is a man who has heard stories of a man who had a withered hand. And all of a sudden his hand was good. He had heard stories that, that Jesus was at a, at a wedding and he turned water miraculously into wine. And he might have, in, in a sense, had doubt because he was human, but something was telling him, I'm at a place of desperation right now and I need a miracle. And I know that Jesus is the only one that can do that miracle for me. See, where God wants us to get this morning is where we don't have options. Too many Christians have back plans and side plans, front plans, up plans, down plans, third plans, plan B, plan C. Plan, well, if this don't work out. See, God wants you to be in a place where you depend on him. Totally, 100% depend on him. And if he doesn't work it out, it's not going to happen. Meaning if God's not in it, I'm not in it. Amen? I don't say this Boastfully, I say it because it's been awesome. That's one of the, that Jesus sign out there has been a statement to this city and to us and to the devil who's Lord of this church for almost nine years. It was a struggle to put that sign up the first time. It was a struggle to put it up this time. It's going to be a struggle to take it down. Amen. But it's a statement that says Jesus is Lord of this church. He's Lord of this church. And what you need to do is have a sign in your life that says Jesus is Lord of this life. You can, you, can, you can make it hard for me to put my sign up. You can make it hard for me to take my sign down. But Jesus lives inside of me. And that sign says Jesus is Lord. And it doesn't matter where you move me or where I fall down or where you push me. Jesus is still Lord. And he's going to stay Lord no matter what I go through. Do you trust him? That's the question. Do you trust him? And, and we can say it, and I'm not saying, there's nothing wrong with you saying yes and amen. That's good. But the question is, do you really trust him? Because here's, here's Jairus at a bad place. He, he, he's in trouble because he now realizes the crowd is around Jesus, and they're excited, and, 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 and this woman's being healed. Let's continue to read here. Because I got ahead of, ahead of my notes. Really way ahead. So far ahead, I don't even know where it's at. Amen. But right before we read again, I do want you as parents to put yourself in Jairus' place. And think of the desperation. Think of the, your child being at a point where at any moment, it's over. At any moment. And then, all of a sudden, you get this news that there's somebody who can heal her. And you're excited and and you, and, and you see the, the healer moving towards your daughter. And then this happens. Amen? Listen to this carefully. Crazy fact. I've had to learn to appreciate God's interruptions. Write that down and underline it. Learn to appreciate God's interruptions. That's why I can get news like, hey, they're going to knock your sign down in two weeks and not stress. It's not like I'm happy about it, but I'm not stressing about it because it's an interruption. But God has his ways of working. So you need to get to a place where you begin to not only not only acknowledge and recognize, but embrace interruptions. 
Because you know what interruptions are? They're a sign. If there's no interruptions, there's no enemy. There's no test. There's no growth. There's no obstacle. It means you're not doing nothing. Because when you're doing something, there's obstacles. Amen. It's, it's, it's God saying, hey, but we have to recognize it. And we have to trust it. And we have to say, Lord, I see this. I, I, this is just an interruption. Get to that place where something bad's going on in your life. This is just an interruption. Doesn't that, that make the devil mad? How are you supposed to get all worked up about this? You just, oh, it's just an interruption. Amen. God's, God's working. God's doing something else right now. He'll get back to me. And we can lose patience. But I, I know that God has interruptions that he sends to my life. Okay? Now, I want you to think about this. One of the biggest killers of us really seeing God move in our lives the way we want him to is, that, is always that P word of pride. Always. Doesn't matter if you feel like you're a prideful person or not, or a humble person. Pride's always going to stick its ugly head up. And the reason I say this is because this is what happened to Jairus. I want you to put your, yourself in Jairus' shoes again, and I want you to think. He doesn't really realize how God works. And this is where we've got we to get to where we realize how God works. God is the ultimate equal opportunity employer. He's, he, he doesn't care if you're rich or you're poor. He doesn't care if you're the leader of the world or an outcast. He loves you just the same. He wants to heal you just the same. Because Jairus is high up there. Jairus is important. Jairus is, is, is a man of power and influence. And he's famous and he's known. And he's thinking maybe in his mind, who is this woman? This woman is poor. This woman, this woman is an outcast. You know why he says that? Because he's a, he's a, he's a ruler in the Jewish synagogue and he knows the law. And the law says of the prophets that she wasn't even supposed to be in public with that issue of blood. She wasn't even supposed to be in public. So he might have began to analyze. See, here's the problem. You can't get analytical with God. When you start trying to get analytical and you start trying to ABC God, God just sits back and laughs. And he hits with his knee the table so the letters get mixed up. You're trying to play Scrabble with God, and God just laughs and kicks the table. And you know what he says? If you trust me, move out the way and let me put the letters together. Let me, let me, let me write this out for you. Let me show you what I want to do in your life. So we see Jairus at this place as a high-ranking official. Now, let's read on here. I'm not even going to read the rest of those verses because we see that Jesus is dealing with this woman and he heals her and she gets healed and he goes, go and go in peace. You're, you've been healed of your affliction. Now look at 35. While he was still speaking. So you see, just, he just says, go in peace with this healing to this woman. Some came from the ruler of the synagogue's house. Let's talk about interruption here. And said, hey, Jairus, your daughter's dead. Leave the teacher alone. Y'all looking at 35? 
That's an interruption. Hey, Jairus, leave the man alone. She's dead. No need to bother him anymore. Now you as a parent, put yourself there. That's an interruption. You had all the faith in the world. You had all the faith in the world that, that Jesus was going to heal your, your daughter, heal your situation, and now she's dead. You know how easy it is to get your faith affected when things don't work out the way you want them to work out? But our problem is, is we're on the wrong plane. We're looking at the wrong thing. We're looking at the circumstance instead of God's word. One of the clearest things God's spoken to me over my life is that my circumstances do not affect God's word. At all. At all. It don't matter what's happening. It don't affect it. But God's word affects my circumstances. How many believe that? Get that revelation. Get that in your spirit. And you'll be able to face any situation, any problem. What do you do? I want you to think about this. He gets the news. Your daughter's dead. What do you do when a situation you are believing? Now, I want to make this clear. This isn't just a situation. This is a situation you've believed for. How many know there's a difference? It's like, hey, something bad happened. This didn't work out the way I wanted it to happen. But when you have believed for it, you have expressed faith. You have said, God, I know you're going to do this. What do you do when the situation goes from bad to worse? What do you do when your marriage that you believe for goes from bad to worse? What do you believe or do when your job that you have asked God for and he gave you and you know he gave it to you has gone from bad to worse? Your children from bad to worse. Your finances from bad to worse. Your health from bad to worse. What do you do? What do you do? Trust. Because what's the, what's the other one? Doubt. Run. Quit. Give up. Get mad. What, what, what else do you do? You trust. You trust. Because those who trust are blessed. God blesses those who trust. And, and he's, he's, the cool thing about God is that he's God. I know that's not really deep, but he's God. He's God, not us. People fail us. People drop the ball. People make mistakes. People, 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 people. But God does not. Even when it seems really bad, it gets really bad before it gets really good. How many have noticed that? Look at anything in your life that was big and major and it was a victory. It got bad before it got better. It got worse before it got better. Why? Because God is growing us. God wants us to trust him. God wants us to, in, 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 and I'm not talking about an exterior, at, out in front of everybody, trust. I'm talking about it in your office, by yourself, in your room, by yourself, in your car, by yourself, trust. That says, I believe and I trust you, God. Another one of my favorite quotes from Job. 
though you slay me, I will trust you. Is it okay to have some favorite go-to quotes? Job says, though you slay me. Because what I do when I get in a situation where things begin to be interrupted and things aren't working out like I want them to, I remember this is nothing compared to my friend Job. Oh, it's pretty bad. I'm not saying it's not bad, but it's not Job. I still, in this, to this day, have not met anybody that's even on the same planet as Job when it comes to troubles. Now, for us, they seem worse. Like when you're in it, you think your problem is just the worstest. I know that's not a word. I know. The worstest. Right? But it's not the worstest compared to Job. And Job said, in ashes, no house, boils on his body, family dead, smoke everywhere, looks up to God, and Satan's like, yes, he's finally going to curse you. Though you slay, you, just if you finish me off, he was already more on the side of death than he was life. If you finish me off, I still trust you. How many want that kind of faith? I want that kind of faith. But the problem is, to have that kind of faith, you have to have some tests. You have to have some interruptions. You have to have some things not go your way. Now, this is the best part of the message. Okay? I want you to quickly stay in Mark. Mark it with something, but just quickly go over to Luke. If you haven't got excited yet, you're going to get excited right here. Because the Bible is exciting. So here's, here's what I want you to get right now. Jairus has gone to this man. He said, I need you to heal my daughter. We already know the story, but we're putting ourselves in it. Jesus says, I will. Starts walking. Jesus gets occupied, interruption comes. Jairus sees his daughter, the new, he sees this woman get healed, and while she's getting healed and everybody's excited, he's very unexcited because he's, he knows his daughter's dying. Then the news comes, and your daughter's dead. But here's the statement I want you to get if you don't get anything else out of this message. Jesus does not do funerals. Jesus don't do funerals. We think we're dead. We think it's over. How many times in your life have you thought, just put the last nail in the coffin, I'm done? Come on, be real. I'm not talking about even a physical death. I'm talking about a situation. You think it's over, it's done. Well, I got news for you. Jesus doesn't do funerals. What does that mean? Luke chapter 7 says that he's walking in verse 11. The day after, he went from a city called Nain, and many of his disciples were with him in a large crowd. And he came near the gate of the city, and behold, a dead man was being carried out. The only son of his mother, and she was a widow. Do you realize that she was a widow literally? Her son was dead, which makes her a widow. If you don't read that right, she's like, wait, hold on. Yeah, she's a widow. She has nobody left. Son's dead. How much worse can you get than dead? 
In life, you can't get any further gone than dead. Dead is dead. Dead is final. But see, that's the thing we don't understand. Many, too many, I hope nobody here is that person, but too many Christians still haven't grasped the fact that Jesus came out of the tomb and defeated death. Some people still haven't grasped that yet. Oh, it sounds pretty, sounds good. Jesus came out of the tomb. Jesus is not in the tomb. Jesus is not dead. He said, though you were dead, you shall live if you believe in me. So even when your situation has died, Jesus doesn't do funerals. Hopefully sometime this afternoon you're going to go, oh, I get it. Jesus doesn't do funerals. Or maybe you're getting it and you're just not showing it in your face. Sees this widow, verse 13, verse 12, and the mother in a, in a crowd, and verse 13 says, He saw her and had compassion on her and said, Don't weep. Don't weep. And he came and touched the open coffin. Now, see, he's, in, he's D-E-D, dead. He's in the coffin. It's nailed. It's, he's, he's dead. He's way dead. This isn't like some of the stories in the Bible or the ones we hear about like when people die. And it doesn't make it any less cool when people die and they're died for a few seconds, you know. This dude's dead. Like they've had, the, they've had the visitation. They've had the wake. They've weeped. They've mourned. They've cried. He's like Lazarus. He stinketh. <laughs> Amen. He's, 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 he's at that stage. He stinks. He's dead. He's, he's as they say, graveyard dead. He's on the way to the graveyard. He's in a coffin. He's, he's got the pallbearers carrying him. And Jesus says, I don't do funerals. Come on, Lord, let that hit. I, just let it hit, Lord. Let it hit, let it hit, let it hit, let it hit. Some of you think your dreams are dead. Some of you think your, your, your future's dead. Some of you think uh, something God told you many years ago is dead. Some of you think that He's done with you because because what he told you seems dead. I'm going to have to stay here for a second. I can't move on until somebody grasps what I'm saying. I'm not talking about something that's alive and about to die. I'm talking about something that's already dead. It's What do you do with something that's dead? You bury it. Some of us have dreams. Listen, I'm telling you, there's so many things that God has spoken to my life that I have not seen happen into me, in my spirit, in my th thoughts. They're dead. But do you remember what happened when Jesus said it is finished on that cross? Graves started opening up, church. Graves started opening up. Before he even conquered death, graves started opening up. Dead people started coming out the ground. God wants you to believe that he's not done with you. God wants you to believe he's not done with us. And though you might be dead this morning in your dream or your situation, Jesus does not do funerals. He don't like death. He doesn't accept death. He does resurrections. Puts his hand on the coffin. And those who carried him stood still. Oh, I love the Bible. Can you imagine? Can you, can you picture that? And he says, young man, I say to you, arise. And he who was D-E-D, -E -D, dead, 
sat up and began to speak. And he presented him to his mother. And fear came upon all and glorified God, saying, A great prophet has risen up among us, and God has visited his people. Somebody say with me, Jesus does not do funerals. That's what that means. That means he can resurrect the dead. And if he's passing by and he sees something dead, he can raise it up. Amen. As I close, four things you need to do. Just write these four things down. In the midst of your interruption, in the midst of your crisis, number one, you've got to look for help. The Bible says, my help comes from the Lord. My help comes from the Lord. you got to know. See, too many times we run to so-and-so, and, and we run over here, and we run over there, and God is saying, I'm right here. I'm right. Why don't you run to me for once? I'm the answer. Amen. I'm walking around the church looking for my ring, and the Holy Spirit says, just ask me where it is, and I'll tell you. Oh, that's such a small, minute little thing. That's where I, I, I want the small, minute little things. Because you can't get small, minute little things. You can't get the big things. When you've been faithful with little, he says, I'll give you much. Number two, humble yourself. Jairus had to humble himself. Jairus had to say, hey, I see this woman over here who's less than me getting healed. But I, and, and now my daughter's dead. But what happened? You didn't finish the story. We'll go back to Mark 6 and look. And I am known for that. Not finishing the story. Let's go back to verse. Actually, I forgot. Oh, we're in Mark. I'm in Matthew. That's probably a good one in Matthew 6 too. Go to Mark chapter 6. Yeah, but I was in Matthew. I got to get in the right book myself. Five, see, he's paying attention. Last verse we read was, she's dead. Don't trouble the teacher anymore. And as soon as Jesus, verse 36, heard the word that was spoken, he said to the ruler of the synagogue, do not be afraid, only believe. Another word is, just trust me. Just trust me. She's dead. Whole nother level of trust. So my personal lecture to myself is, I don't want to get to the place where something has to die. I want to trust him before the death. Now, if the death happens, I'm going to trust. But I believe that a lot of times... If we'll just express trust earlier, we don't have to have things die. Amen. How many like things alive better than dead? Amen. Things seem to go better when they're alive. Trust is something you have to learn. And the way you learn it is by expressing it. And the way you express it is by reading the word of God. Because faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. And so many times we think, I don't have an answer. I don't know what to do. I don't know what I'm supposed to go. And God says, read my word. Yeah. Read my word and just believe. He says, believe. That's the third thing you need to do. Seek help. Humble yourself. Believe. And the fourth ties in, trust. 
And he permitted no one to follow him except Peter, James, and John, the brother of James. Now I want to make one last little thing that I actually didn't have planned to say, but it's very important. Let's keep reading now. I'm going to come back to it. He came to the house of the ruler of the synagogue and saw tumult and those who wept and wailed loudly. And he came in and said, why? See, this is the kind of faith we need. Why are you making this commotion and why do you weep? The child is not dead. Now that does not mean he wasn't really, she wasn't really dead. In the circumstances, she was not dead to Jesus. They said the same words and the same thing for Lazarus, who had been there for four days. He's not dead. He's just asleep. To you, he's dead. To me, he's just asleep. How do you look at your circumstances? He says, they all ridiculed him. They all ridiculed him. Now, uh, this is important. When you want to do something great for God, you better surround yourself with people who will believe with you. You better get people around you who are not going to ridicule your faith. And if you do have those people, you give them this. Speak to the hand. Come on. This is, this is serious. God's business is serious business. I could never have gotten to see God do anything in my life if I had to listen to the ridicules. And they're always going to be there. You can't do this. That can't happen. That's not possible. This is, you shouldn't do this. You shouldn't do that. Listen, speak to the hand. Because I'm not listening to you. I'm listening to God. And when God says he's going to do something, he will do it. He will fulfill what he said he will do. So you need to get people around you and you need to say, hey, let's do this. We, we, we good? And if someone says, nah, I don't know. Okay, see you later. Hey, we're good over here? Hey, you good? You ready? Let's go. Yeah? No? Okay. Uh, you ready? Good? Okay, grab, let's grab hands. Let's go. Boom. Let's move forward. And if they say no, leave them behind. Because God's moving, always moving forward. And Jesus, didn't Jesus do this? Who did Jesus take into the room with him? Peter, James, and John. He said, I need to have people with me right now who believe. I can't have no doubters in here with me. That's why it's so important when we pray for the sick, we pray for things that you, you get people who believe. Believe with you, believe with you, believe with you. Amen. If you've got some negative person in your life or on Facebook or whatever, don't go talk to them and ask them what to do with your life. Because they're going to say, Hey, there's no hope for you. You're dead. Amen. You need to have somebody tell you, hey, you look dead, but I believe you can live. I believe you can come out of this situation. Yeah, this is really bad. Don't, don't go to someone who's going to put the nail in the coffin. Right? Keep the hammer out their hands. Amen. Musicians, you can come. Seek help. Humble yourself. Believe. Trust. So he took the child by the hand, said, Talitha kumi, which is translated, little girl, I say to you, arise. And immediately the girl arose and walked, for she was 12 years of age. And watch this, they, overca they were overcome with great amazement. I speak by faith right now to me and to you that I believe 
that what God has for us is amazing. I'm believing that. I'm trusting. I'm speaking by faith that the place that God has for Victory World Outreach to move to is amazing. I'm not looking at buildings that are the same size. I'm looking some, for something that's bigger. I'm looking for something that's better. I'm, I'm, and I don't know who, I don't know here who's with me. I'm, and I'm not asking you at this moment to even raise your hand. But you'll, I, you'll know and I'll know and we'll know. But I'm looking for some people in here that, are, that will believe with me that when we're having our first service in that new building, we will be amazed. We will be amazed. Because it's, it, there's going to be some interruptions. You know, at the beginning of the year, we had some words spoken to us. Uh, in the very beginning, that it, this was going to be a powerful year, but there was going to be some fights. And then right around the same time this word came about this, this fountain and the water breaking through, there was the word of Nehemiah chapter 4 that says that we're at the wall working, and one hand's on the wall, and one hand's got a sword, because the fight's always going to be there, amen? The fight's always going to be there, but we do the work of the Lord, and we have our sword in our hand to fight off the haters. Fight off the, the, new, the soothsayers, to fight off the naysayers, to fight off the people who say we can't do it. And we say, yeah, you, we can't do it, but God can. Amen. How many believe this morning? Amen. Let's stand. Bow your heads and close your eyes. You know that word arise. Let faith arise. Let faith arise in you. Let it arise. Let, 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 let doubt go. And just say, Lord, I trust you. I trust what you're doing. I, I know your hand is on our lives this morning. Father, we ask you this morning to just confirm your word. Lord, I know that you're doing something in our midst right now. And Lord, I know that you are, are, are planning and working and going and doing and we just have to trust. That's, that's your word, God. Trust. And Lord, I'm listening to you as I'm preaching to your people. I'm speaking to myself and I'm acknowledging to you, Lord, my necessity to trust you. And how much I believe in you, Lord. And the wonderful thing is, is you look beyond my words and see my heart. That I truly trust you. And I can look back at all the times you've done miraculous things. And I hope that, that the word of God would come to pass in our lives that says the latter will be better than the, than the former. That this will be better, that the glory of this, this time will be better than the past. And Lord, you already are moving the pieces of the chess game. You're already moving the situation. You're already touching people's hearts. You're already touching landowners and, and building owners and, and you're already touching the, the, the finances we need. You're already doing everything we need for this to happen. It's already done. We just have to walk it out and trust. How many this morning all over this place as your heads are bowed and eyes are closed would, would say, you know what, I've never trusted God with my life. I've never trusted Jesus to be Lord of my life this morning. I'm not saved. I'm not born again. If I died right now, I don't know where I'd go. I don't know where I'd spend eternity. 
If you're here, the best news this morning is Jesus died for you. And he loves you as much as he loves anybody else. And he has a purpose and a plan for you. But you'll never know that plan. You'll never know the purpose until you give Jesus your heart, until you give Jesus your life. How many all over this place could say, I need Jesus. I've never trusted him with my life. I've never been born again. Just put your hand up and put it right back down. I want to pray for you all over this place. That's me. I need Jesus. I don't know your heart. I don't know what you're going through. I don't know your life. I don't know your situation. God does. And the Bible says, if you'll acknowledge him and you'll, and you'll confess him, he will save you this morning. He'll write your name in the Lamb's Book of Life. How many here this morning could say, I've said that prayer, but I'm backslidden. I've ran from the Lord. I'm not doing his will this morning. I need to come home. I need to get right. That's me. If that's you, just put your hand up this morning. I want to pray with you. That's me. I need Jesus. Amen. God bless you. I see your hand. How many more? That's me. Come home, wayward child. Come home. Get your heart right with God. It's not about a church membership. It's about a relationship with Jesus. Right before we open the altars and, and we work on our own trust with God, if you're here and you raised your hand or maybe you didn't raise your hand, but you know this morning if I walked out of these doors and I breathed my last breath and died, I'm not sure. If there's any doubt in your heart, why don't you make your way forward this morning and let us pray for you. Just come down and let us say a prayer with you this morning. Amen. How many more? Maybe you didn't raise your hand, but you, you know you need to come. You know you need to get your heart right with God. Hallelujah. Amen. As he's praying, is that you, Tony? As he's praying, you pray with him. We're going to open up the altars. Let's trust God this morning. Maybe you're here and you're saying, you know what? My trust is not where I want it to be. That's the awesome thing about God. You can get it right this morning. You can get it aligned this morning and say, Lord, I've, I have not been trusting you like I know I need to. Today I'm going to start trusting you. We're going to open up these altars for any kind of prayers. You come this morning, find a place. And we're going to believe and trust and obey and release faith. Maybe you need God to resurrect something this morning as we sing.